0: What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is October 15th, 2021. We have a full show. We got some Sabres talk. We will get you ready for the Bills game Monday night versus the Titans. We will do our annual weekly fantasy segment and then our BSC hockey draft that we pushed because Phil had to go to Pennsylvania, Buddy's back. Phil, I hope you had safe travels and welcome back. And I'm happy to have you here so I don't have to talk the whole half an hour by myself.
1: Yeah, you uh you held down the fort quite well. I uh you. enjoyed Thank your you. show. You did a good job. And uh you were right that it was a good thing I was not there due to the fantasy game. Stats of that game. My team did amazing, but uh yeah, I am happy to be back. Hopefully I won't have to miss too many more.
0: We'll we'll see what happens, but here I am. I was kind of hoping you uh didn't listen to that one. But I guess you did, and uh, it hurts a little. Yeah, you crushed me. You crushed me. Remember, you can follow us for all our social media stuff on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. And then don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when our podcasts go up. But Phil, we will move on to the Buffalo Sabres. They played last night. Now, we are recording this before the game actually starts. I said that on the last podcast that that was going to happen. They are facing Montreal, and we will cover that on our Monday show. But J.J. Paterka was sent down to Rochester, and Casey Fitzgerald joined him. He had been sent down, called back up, and now is back down with Rochester. And Janssen Fialby was put on waivers and reclaimed by Washington.
1: I think Paterka is a mildly big surprise. I think we we both kind of agreed he had a good preseason and did enough to make the team, but not too upset. I mean, again, it's going to be a long, weird season. I'm sure he will get plenty of call-ups, so I have really no problem with him starting in Rochester and developing a little more and then being called up when they feel he's ready. Would have been nice to see him early on and right away, but I have no problem with him in Rochester either.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much how I thought of it. I thought he earned a spot, but it also makes sense to have him develop down in Rochester more because this would be a uh, season that he's only 19 and he doesn't have a ton of experience with the AHL season yet so have him develop down there and then maybe kind of like Victor Olofsson we're halfway through the season you call him up and he's in the lineup and never goes back down right I could easily see that happen but we will again go over the show. Uh, on our next show i should say about the the game on thursday and the friday game that they have playing as well so uh on our monday show we'll cover both of those and the Saber season's here i'm more excited than i thought i would be and uh i'm kind of ready to be heard again i think i don't think this one's almost
1: easier to follow and pay attention to because last year I feel like it would have been similar, but we had the big hall signing, so there was a yep. slight glimmer of hope that maybe they could turn it around in one season to make playoffs. They were not even close, so I think, you know, once they just were were awful, um, it was a little bit more surprising and shocking and disheartening, but this year it's just, you know they're going to be bad. They're likely going to be best last place, so any glimmer of hope or, you know, any goal, any excitement, any win, it's all going to be just magnified. Like, oh, hey, we aren't supposed to do any of this this year. So that looked fantastic. Nice job out there. So I think it's just, it's a different mindset going into this year. And I think it's a much easier mindset knowing you're a bad team and just kind of enjoying the development of both the coach and all the young players. So I think it'll be easier watching more more casual watching and just kind of enjoying the game of hockey and enjoying the team and just watching the development whereas last year was more why are we awful why aren't we winning we have pieces like what why is just none of this working this is awful and i'm over it whereas this year it's a little more relaxed and enjoyable to watch
0: Yep. Got nothing to add. The expectations are so low, so you can't really be as disappointed as you were last year with Hall and Stahl and all the other guys they brought in to try to compete and uh, fell flat on their face.
1: Yeah, I feel like just any positives from this season are just exciting because you don't expect pretty much any.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I will be watching in between the uh, Thursday night game because I have Jalen Hurts and uh, Devontae Smith and a few other guys playing in that game, so I'll be flipping back and forth, but majority Sabres because I'll just catch back up in the football game, which we will be talking about right now with the Buffalo Bills. Greg Rousseau won AFC Defensive Player of the Week for his performance versus the Kansas City Chiefs. He had five tackles, a sack, an interception, a quarterback hit, a tackle for a loss, and a pass defended. He joins Cornelius Bennett From the 1987 season, as the only Buffalo Bills rookies to earn the honor.
1: Now, that is what we're in game five right now. That was game five. Yeah, yep. And this was a player that, when drafted, they said, oh, you know, we'll have to ease him in a little bit. He's a a developmental project, and you might, you know, you might see him a little more down the line, maybe toward the end of the season. We'll work him in a little more, but early on, it'll be rotational at best. Uh, he's quite amazing. Um, heck of a draft pick. And he is just, I think, shocking everybody with how advanced and how incredible he's taken to the NFL game. He just, he looks so natural out there. He is just a, a force to be reckoned with. And just as a rookie, I don't think we could be much more excited about this pick than we already have been through five games of the season.
0: Yeah. And this is him still raw last year. He didn't play in college so this is him still getting his legs under him imagine what he's going to be like in week 13 14 15 into the playoffs and then even throughout his young career next year the year after what he's going to develop into
1: and the announcing the kansas city game was beyond awful and um virtually unbearable to listen to but during his interception it was kind of fun to listen to them talk about it. He used to be a wide receiver in high school and they showed some of his really old highlights from like a high school game where he's just going up and getting the ball. Cause he's just, he's a, a huge human being. He's got really long arms. And a lot of times you see some of the bigger guys, like they'll bat the ball up, not have a clue where it went and not be able to catch it where he just batted it up, kind of like felt it off his arm. He seemed to look pretty much immediately where the ball was above him and just caught it without a problem. He even tried to take off a little bit. So it's kind of interesting to see that background kind of transition into this defensive role, and it helped them, I think, a lot in that interception. So,
0: Phil, we will give our preview for the Buffalo Bills versus Tennessee Titans game Monday night, 8-15 on ESPN. Sadly, the Manning cast will not be a part of it. I'm a little disappointed by that. But the Bills come in 4-1. and The Titans are 3-2. and They both lead their divisions. They are fighting for one of the top seeds in the AFC. Now the Titans are allowing 26 points per game, 264 through the air, and just about 113 on the ground. Phil, is there anything that stands out to you in this game that we should be aware of? I think I'm going to change my pick
1: from (laughs) earlier in the year. Again, I don't know. Even against Kansas City, I picked them to win. I mean, I had it much closer than it was. It's pretty hard to pick against the Bills, especially coming off that Kansas City game. I mean, even the game against a team like Washington, you know, we, we kind of said that the the bad teams you have to beat up on to kind of prove that you're a good team. Well, now you just beat up on a really, really elite team. So I feel like their mental preparation, like I, like I don't see them coming off this KC game too high. You know, like I don't see them immediately thinking they're the best team in the NFL, thinking that, you know, they can't be beat, thinking that, you know, they're just destined to be in the Super Bowl. I think this is a team that still is mentally grounded. They know every game is important. They know they have to get through every single team. This is a huge AFC game in general. I think they will come out just pumped up and psyched for it. And like you said in our preseason kind of review of the schedule, that it is a revenge game and they seem to be enjoying that so far this year. So, I don't know. Um, The Titans have not looked good this year. Obviously, they lost earlier to the Jets. Yes, it was an overtime, but you lost to the Jets. So even without, you know, your your top two wide receivers, you got to find ways to beat the Jets. They're an awful team. So the fact that they couldn't do that, I mean, I feel like if the Bills do lose this one, I don't think they will. But if they did, you're kind of immediately comparing it to that. We're like, oh, well, the Jets beat them. So why can't you? But I just don't see the Titans as big of a threat now as I did in the preseason. I mean, Henry is obviously still a tank, but I think our defensive line is much improved. And even last year, we had a great game against him anyway. I think our defense in general is just, I, I don't know what else they need to prove. They are extremely good this year, very exciting. And this Titans defense is not very good. So going up against a very elite offense like the Bills have, I don't want to say this one's not going to be a problem because you do have to worry about Henry and not only him scoring or anything like that, but he has the ability to kind of control the game and keep your offense off the field because he is such a powerhouse runner. I mean, he can run the ball three times and get 10 yards and, you know, do that for 90 yards and you've eaten up a lot of the game. So I think time management is going to be an interesting one in this one. Like, How much can the Titans keep the Bills offense off the field and how much can the Bills defense Put the offense back on the field and keep the Titans' offense from just kind of running the game out.
0: Yeah, last year, like you said, it's a revenge game. Last year, they lost forty-two to sixteen in that game where it had to keep getting pushed, and we lost some guys to COVID and some injuries and that whole situation. So it is a revenge game. I I'm not that worried about it. The Tennessee Titans really only have one good win on their schedule, and they got it in overtime versus Seattle. I mean, their other win was Jacksonville last week and the Colts, who are terrible this year. They lost against the Jets in overtime, like you mentioned, and then 38-13 week one against Arizona. They get the doors blown off of them. But yeah, like you said, Te- Derrick Henry is the guy that you need to stop. He's He's got 142 rushes for 640 and seven touchdowns. Last year, they were able to contain him. He He had 19 rushes for 57 yards and two touchdowns, and that was his lowest yardage of the year. So the Bills are good against him. They get a good track record against him, and they're only allowing less than 79 yards per game against their opponents in the rushing rushing department. Now, Tannehill is playing well. He's been down his wide, top two wide receivers a lot of the season. I mean, he he's thrown for just over 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions, so his touchdown total is not as high as many other quarterbacks in the league but again he's been without his two top wide receivers a lot because julio jones has been hurt but he is he's got 12 catches for 204 and then brown has struggled a ton 10 catches 130 for one touchdown but he did have a good game against us last year seven for 82 and a touchdown
1: yeah it'll be just interesting to see how healthy their offense can be going into this one but like you said I don't think it's going to be a huge issue for the Bills to win. I mean, if you were able to control Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, you should be able to control pretty much anybody at this point. I mean, I I guess I'll ask you straight up. Is there any offense you are currently worried about with the way the defense is playing this year?
0: I wouldn't say worried. I would say alert of probably Tampa Bay. Because their their air game is unbelievable. They have a okay running game, but their their Tom Brady still has it. I would say Justin Herbert as well. with the San, or the I almost called still call him San Diego, the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers. Herbert is a man on a warpath, and he also did take down Patrick Mahomes. Not in the same way that the Buffalo Bills did, but that offense can move. They got two great wide receivers, Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Uh, I, I think that might be the only two real offenses that would really have me interested. I know the Ravens are always a threat because of Lamar Jackson, and he showed in the last game that he played. Obviously, you benefited from it from the second <laughs> half because sure did. his fantasy numbers, but he threw for over 400 yards, and he had over an 85% completion rate percentage and I think he went 37 for 43 so he's proven all the doubters wrong that he can't throw the ball I think he can and Hollywood Brown is quick yes they don't have a run game but Mark Andrews is also a threat too so maybe they're in the tier two of somebody I'm worried about but really just the Chargers and Tampa Bay and you really you only have to worry about Tampa Bay because they're the only other real threat left on the schedule for you yeah
1: that'll be another really good game I kind of mentioned it earlier uh in one of our episodes that it's fun when your team is so good that I almost want to see those games on the schedule to kinda compare, yep. you know, the Bills to Tampa Bay. Like how are the Bills going to stack up against them? I and mean, you might not see them until the Super Bowl if that happens. So it's kind of good to get a team like that on your schedule to see how well do you actually stack up against them? If you, you know, if you lose the game, what do you need to adjust? If you win the game, what do you need to keep doing correctly? Like games like Tampa Bay, Kansas City, like I almost wish we were playing the Chargers. Like, now we're at the point where I consider the Bills clearly a top five team in the NFL, and I want to play the other top teams just to keep comparing how do you stack up against them? Whereas like, previous years when the Bills weren't as good, you're kind of hoping for the easier schedule just so we can make playoffs and, you know, possibly make some noise. Whereas now I think we are an elite team. So again, I just want to play the other top teams and just see just where are you actually, you know, when you go head to head versus kind of looking at the numbers, looking at the theories, you know, like, oh, if the Bills did play in Tampa Bay, this is how we think it would go, you know, the strengths and weaknesses rather than, hey, we're going to play them. It's in your face. This is exactly how you stack up against this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, once they get past Tennessee here, they got a buy for week seven. And then their next four opponents after that in week eight through 11, you got Miami, Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Colts. I mean, that should be an easy four-nothing run. Then you got Thanksgiving with New Orleans. Then you face New England Monday night. And then finally, Tampa Bay, who they honestly might not have a single digit victory until i mean they they should blow the doors off of all these rest of these opponents none of them should be quick especially what they did to the kansas city chiefs your next toughest opponent besides tennessee which again i'm not super worried about tennessee if you can control derrick henry you pretty much shut their whole offense down but it's pretty much tampa bay carolina and tennessee is pretty much your next toughest opponent on there (laughs) it's they have the easiest remaining schedule based on a bunch of metrics, and uh, it, it feels good after all those years of struggling to be sitting in this position and be like the front runner for the number one seed.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to uh, be a Bills fan and think about that right now, especially with years past of pain where we have started five and zero and then still didn't make playoffs. So yeah. like, it, yeah. I feel like as. Bills fans in general, as much as we are loving this right now, we're a fan base that knows you cannot get too far ahead of yourself. But still, just being talked about as the potential number one seed for the AFC, that's crazy. I mean, just how far this team has come. And like you said, their schedule just it looks really easy for the most part. And I think the only other teams you really need to worry about are the Chargers and the Ravens. Uh, the Chargers will have to play KC again, so hopefully in a weird way. We kind of want KC to win that one, depending on by the time they face each other, how the records look. And Baltimore, their division's a little easier, but Cleveland has been a tough defense this year. Pittsburgh still has a good defense, even if their offense isn't much. And Cincinnati's been a surprisingly okay team as well, and their defense has also stepped it up. So the Ravens don't have a super easy schedule compared to, I would say, the Bills. But I mean, they, they are still a better team than everyone in their division. So we'll see if they can stumble somewhere down the line too. But yeah, it's just, it's it's fun being in this position.
0: So Phil, we will do what we always do. What is your prediction for the game? The score? Give me 34-17. I like it. You finally changed from the uh, 38 that you had for back-to-back weeks. <laughs> it's a good score. I like 38. <laughs> I, again, we, we don't, compare what we're going to say on this podcast prior i have them winning 35 17 so you got them kicking two field goals because you're a fan of tyler bass or just missing one extra point which i highly doubt that's the yeah yeah
1: yeah i got i got four touchdowns and yeah two field goals and both field well at least one of the field goals will be with like we'll get the ball back 30 seconds left in the first half and that's enough time to score a touchdown but just enough time to kick a field goal
0: that is fair. I did not factor that into my five touchdown equation.
1: (laughs) As you should have, but we'll see who's right. We'll see.
0: So Phil, I'm assuming I know your answer because your BSC team has just been destroying me for the past two or three weeks. Are you making any changes to your roster?
1: No, uh, I am not going to make any changes. The change I would make, even just to keep them away from you, would be for Knox, but I think with the easier games slated on the schedule after this one, that Moss could see a lot of garbage time run out the clockwork. He could see some more fall in the end zone. And he has actually been surprisingly good out of the backfield on catches as well. So I am going to hold on my team. And uh, I'm a little sad that you're going to get Dawson Knox because he has been incredible. And if he keeps it up, you are definitely going to find a, a way to catch up. But i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna have to hold
0: that is exactly the switch i'm gonna be making i am not going to be dropping stefan diggs now it's just between do i think this cole beasley situation is going to continue or should i drop devin singletary because beasley has been non-existent his his role on the field has been shrinking as well oh god phil i don't know what i'm gonna do I'm going to drop Cole Beasley and pick up Dawson Knox. I'm hoping that I'm not getting Dawson Knox at the end of his <laughs> hot streak here, and he's just gonna blow up and do nothing, and then Cole Beasley's gonna pick right back up. I was like, you know, Beasley, his... this
1: next game is gonna have like five for one,
0: yeah. eleven, and one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since his big one week with eleven catches, he hasn't done a ton. He he's not a big touchdown threat as Dawson Knox is. So I'm going to make the switch. I'm picking up Dawson Knox, dropping Cole Beasley. So if you want him, he's out there for you.
1: Well, the thing with Allen is, you know, when when you score, I score with Knox. So
0: That's an accurate statement, but hopefully it throws touchdowns and then my touchdowns are worth six and yours is only worth three. It's when he runs it in that kills me because then true. it's a full six. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: But at least this way, if it's not a throwing touchdown, hopefully Moss is the one getting it. That's fair, yeah. Until they find a That's way to do off That's why I had to Knox. keep
0: Singletary. I had to keep Singletary for that exact reason.
1: (laughs) Need those ground game touchdowns. Even if they are uh, few and far
0: between, if they do happen, it's a big deal. (laughs) So we will move on to our fantasy segment of this show. We do our stream quarterback of the week, our stream flex of the week, and then our super deep flex. Last week for our quarterback stream of the week, you picked Trey Lance. I had Trevor Lawrence. Lance finished number 20 because he... Somehow he finished 20 and didn't score a touchdown, which is just proof that he is going to be amazing for fantasy when he is full-time starter. I had Trevor Lawrence, who finished ninth.
1: Not bad. Not bad.
0: So, Phil, would you like to jump back out there and tell me who your quarterback stream of the week is? I
1: would love to. I uh, I don't love it, but we're going with a dart throw this week, and I may end up getting an incomplete if the player does not end up playing, but right now he is headed, trending, trending toward playing. So I'm going to go with uh, Tua Tagovailoa. He is at 25.2% rostered and going up against the awful Jacksonville Jaguars. Tua has actually been injured for the last few weeks. So this is quite the hopeful pick, but Jacksonville is simply a awful team. They are allowing close to four touchdowns per game. And I think Tua will be itching to get back on the field and kind of pounce on the Jaguars. See what I,
0: see what I did there. I did. did. It was nice. Thank you.
1: Parker should also be back in this one, giving Tua another weapon. Again, this is a bit of a dart throw, but if you're in bye week trouble this week or injury trouble with Lance or any number of injuries, Tua could be one that hits. He's going to be interesting coming off his injury, but Jacksonville is just not that good of a team, so we will see
0: how he does. That is a great reminder to everybody that bye weeks have started, and this is the first week of them. So adjust accordingly and plan accordingly because your free ride of the first five weeks of not having to worry about any teams on bye is over. And uh, from now until the beginning of your fantasy football playoffs, you have bye weeks. So be aware. So for me, I'm going Taylor Heineke of the Washington football team. He is facing the Kansas City Chiefs, which we all know and had experienced this last week that they give up points and yardage like crazy. He is owned in 18.3% of leagues. He has had one great week, two good weeks, and two bad weeks. He is coming off a bad week, but again, he's facing Kansas City, and that team gives up points and yards like it's candy. And since Halloween's coming up pretty quickly, I think that's pretty fitting as well. Yeah, I like that. They're allowing 32.6 points per game, 296.4 yards through the air. He also has that rushing ability, which you need to have a top week with your quarterback position. He can be, and I think he will be a top 10 quarterback this week and possibly a top five facing Kansas City, who again, is their defense is one of the worst in the NFL.
1: He would have been my other pick, so I I like it quite a bit, quite a bit. He has proven that, uh, like you said, he has had a few good weeks already, so it's not like uh, a complete out of nowhere, you know, he's coming in relief of Fitzpatrick and we've never seen him do it before, kind of like a Davis Mills, you're not just like, oh, next guy up, he should be all right. Heineke's already proven that he can be a top-ten quarterback, and like you said, Casey's Casey's defense is very bad. Their offense is very good, which means he'll have to throw, so I love it.
0: Disappointing fact, though, is my opponent in the CFL League uh, just picked him up, so I have to face him. So hopefully uh, he tanks there, but maybe like a top-12 quarterback. That's my hope.
1: (laughs) Just enough to hit in our game. Just enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, for our stream of the week last week, Phil, you picked Jamison Crowder and Ty Conklin. Crowder finished 60th and Conklin finished 31st. Now, I did some dart throws with some guys who had had some decent weeks in the past. I had Callaway and Aguilar. Now, Callaway finished 8th and Aguilar finished 76. So, I got one in the top 10, and every time he touched a big touchdown, I think he had two 49 yard touchdowns receptions which every time i saw the little ticker i went yay (laughs) so uh i got one i got one phil
1: yeah uh i mean he was the one that i didn't like because of uh emotional reasons because i dropped him but honestly for me the michael thomas owner which if he is randomly out there i don't think he's out there in many leagues but if he's randomly out there they are on their bye this week and then he might be back the week after so keep an eye on that but as the michael thomas owner it was just nice to see their passing attack do anything because it's been yep. awful recently. So to see them be able to pass the ball at all is kind of just good for me moving forward with Thomas. Hopefully it shows that when Thomas is out there, they can find a way to make him a great wide receiver. Once again,
0: what the heck happened to Michael Th- or, uh, James Winston, man, I don't know if all he's, those uh, heydays of... I don't know. <laughs>
1: they have a weird offense. They have a it's weird system. A weird I don't think team. that team knows what they're doing either.
0: no, Are they good? Are they bad? They don't Uh, know. They don't even know. (laughs) So, Phil, who is your first stream of the week?
1: So I'm going to continue my might-not-play-injured theme, and I'm going to pick Rashad Bateman, first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens. He's currently rostered in only 13.1% of teams. He is 6 feet tall, 190 pounds, and that is... An interesting stat because Hollywood Brown, the current Baltimore number one wide receiver, is 5'9", 180. So there is a height difference. There is a size difference and just a all-around like style difference between those two. He's a much bigger wide receiver. And Lamar Jackson, like you said, just had an incredible game. More like an incredible second half because the first half, I don't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. And then the second half, I have no idea how you even have that kind of half of football. But he ended up completing 37 to 43 passes for 442 yards. This team has pretty much abandoned the run, minus the designed runs with Lamar himself. They are quickly adapting to be a throw first team, and Bateman may be able to step in and immediately benefit from this fact. They face the Chargers, who have a very strong defense, but it's a huge game, a very AFC, like we just mentioned, like this is four AFC possible top seeding. So it's a, just a massive game, even though it's early in the season, it should be high scoring again, because the Chargers offense is very good. And even though Baltimore's defense is also pretty good, it's pretty much identical teams. They both have good offenses, both have good defenses. And Lamar may look to spread the ball around to his new weapon in order to keep the Chargers defense guessing a little bit. And in order to kind of keep pace with the Chargers in this game.
0: And I think Sammy Watkins is going to be out too. So this is a good pick if he does play. Yes,
1: he was trending toward playing even last week and they decided to sit him. So he should be good for this week. And yes, Watkins is also looking doubtful. And they just really don't have any other wide receiver weapons. They have Andrews, which is a big deal. But I think, again, Bateman just brings something different to that wide receiver core. So I think he'll be able to step in and just
0: kind of go right with it. So I'm going to go with a player that I still can't believe is not rostered in the majority of the leagues. Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos wide receiver. He is facing the Las Vegas Raiders and is owned in just 40.3% of leagues. I can't believe it was under 50 and that's why I snagged him. Now he is 31st in his position Still, it's a, it's in a league that has three starting wide receivers, he is a number three wide receiver. How is he not owned in every league? 28 targets this year for 22, 302, and two touchdowns. Now, he has seen 17% target share, five red zone targets, and has seen four of the five weeks in double-digit fantasy weeks. Now, Vegas can score. They might have to pass the ball around a bit more, and Teddy Bridgewater has been playing very well this year. I'm a fan of Patrick, not just because of his last name is my first name, but I would want him not just for this week, but rest of season. Now, here's an interesting fact. He has seen 127 targets in his career and has yet to have a drop. So he is very consistent. He is one of those, I think it's his name, Phil. I think Tim Patrick's a very boring name, (laughs) and that's why nobody wants to have him on on their team. But if uh, he's out there for anybody, He is a very valuable piece to that offense and can be to your team.
1: Yeah, the only rest of season issue he'll have is Jerry Judy is progressing through his injury and he should be back sooner than later. And he will likely command quite a bit of targets before he went down. I mean, I think he only played one game, but he looked incredible in that first game. So if he comes back 100%, I think Bridgewater may lean on Sutton and Judy, but Patrick is still an incredible wide receiver, and I don't think they will just abandon him. So, even if he needs to be a, a flex or a bi week plug-in, he's still just a good player to have on your roster. My second stream this week, honestly, when I was going through all of the streams, whether they be you know just under fifty percent or lower, I really didn't like much of what was out there because I I looked today, which I kind of like doing, especially for our podcast. Like we release these episodes on Friday, so. I think it's kind of nice to look after waivers have processed and kind of see yep. who still might be available on Friday when our listeners get to listen to this show. They still are likely to be out there for you. So after today's waivers hit and roster percentages jumped for a lot of the you know higher waiver claim guys, there really wasn't too much left that was uh, exciting to go after the three Arizona Cardinals wide receivers, I think all three of the main ones minus Hopkins are still under 50%. So if you want to take a dart throw on any of them, you know, see if they're still available in your league. But my streamer for this week is Dan Arnold, tight end for Jacksonville. He's only 3.3% rostered. He was acquired by Jacksonville just two weeks ago and is still making his way into the offense. Last week, he was on the field for 73% of offensive snaps, and that number could continue to rise as he gets more familiar with the team. He also saw eight targets last week, turning it into six catches for 64 yards. Without too many offensive weapons in Jacksonville, Arnold seems to be headed toward a go-to target for Lawrence. The Miami defense has allowed 12 passing touchdowns on the year, so this could be the first time Arnold also sees the end zone. And I think I don't know, it's a game against you know two bad teams going up against each other, I think both are going to kind of be desperate for a win just to get in the win column. It could be a oddly decently scoring game because they are both pretty bad. And I picked up Miami's defense, so hopefully Arnold doesn't do too much, but I think he does have a chance to have either a very safe floor in this offense and if, you know, he can get in in the end zone this week, I think he is pretty much going to be a consistent five to eight target guy, you know, right around 50 yards, but it's going to be that touchdown that puts him over the edge. And I can see him getting one this
0: week. I do love that pick. He was my super deep, super flex last week. And his percentage definitely rose from last week what? because by I think 2%. it was like 1.1. 1. <laughs> 1. Yeah, it rose by 2%. And at that point it's, it tripled, right? Double, <laughs> triple. It was triple. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I like to pick, I like all the reasonings behind it. I have him in the guillotine league who he might be starting this week. So for my second flex of the week, he is somebody that I grabbed last week. And then when I found out that TJ Hawkinson might not play, I had to drop him to grab a backup, uh, wire, backup tight end. So it really hurts because he had a monster week. Kadarius Tony facing the Rams, 19% owned. He is the wide receiver, was the wide receiver four for the New York Giants, and now the wide receiver one. He's the last man standing in New York. Yes, he has to face Jalen Ramsey, and I do not like that whatsoever, but he needs to see the targets because Saquon Barkley's out, Kenny Galladay's out, uh, Slayton's probably out, and Sterling Shepard's likely out. So they... They have nothing left. They have to throw to him. The last two weeks, he has seen 22 targets. He has speed, power, and again, he's the last man there. I want him this week and rest of the season. Now, last week, before he punched a guy with a helmet, he he's obviously not that smart. Anybody that <laughs> takes a punch close-handed and punches somebody in the face that has a helmet on makes no sense. Like we've always said, if you're going to get punched in the head, what do you want to wear? It's a helmet, and he still punched it. So... He had 10 receptions, 186. He was going to be over 200 yards receiving in this one if he didn't punch the guy. I, I love him. He he has a specific skill set that fits no matter what. He can go in the slot. He can go outside. Even uh, down in the red zone when they had to put Mike Glennon in, he took a snap because uh, they didn't trust Mike Glennon. And they realized to put the ball in Tony, Tony's hands and magic can happen. So I like him this week temper your expectations this week because he does face jalen ramsey and ramsey shuts everybody down but they're gonna have to throw the ball they're gonna have to score and i think tony's the only one that can get them near the end zone so uh it's more than a just this week it's rest of the season
1: yeah he was the one that uh he jumped a ton after waivers yep. processed obviously yep. but if he's still out there for you when you're listening to this obviously he is a great pickup like you said not only for this week but rest of the season
0: So, Phil, our super deep, super flex last week, you had, you went on a limb because you said he might not play, and he did, and he actually performed very nicely. Preston Williams finished number 36 in the wide receiver room, and I picked, of course, Dan Arnold finished number 19. I can see both those numbers going up this week, though. So, uh, Phil, for this week, who is your super deep, super flex? My deep stream pick of the week is
1: James Washington of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is 1.2% rostered. They are going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Last time we saw Washington, because he was out last week with an injury, he saw five targets, turning it into four catches for 69 yards. With Smith-Schuster gone for the rest of the season, Washington now steps in as the clear wide receiver three for this team. It is not the best passing attack, but last week, Big Ben put up 252 yards and two passing touchdowns against a very tough Denver defense. This week, the Steelers are in a matchup against a bad Seattle defense that is giving up an average 25 points per game, including nine passing touchdowns. Again, it's a deep flex for a reason, but he is one that could be pretty interesting, not only for this week, but Kind of moving forward, that team on the offensive side, especially wide receivers, has seen multiple injuries. And if one goes down, he obviously moves up the depth chart. So we'll see if uh, he can get the similar production that he had two weeks ago when he is back on the field this week.
0: I do like the pick. I would agree with everything you said, except I hope that Najee Harris actually sees the uh, reception uptick. But that's just for uh, personal bias.
1: He has enough reception uptick already. I want more. (laughs)
0: Phil, I'm going to follow the role that you had last week and find somebody who had 0.1% owned and uh, try to hit it out of the park. DeAndre Carter, the Washington football team's wide receiver. Now, last week he saw eight targets for four and 62. Now, Curtis Samuel is hurt. He's likely done for the year because he can't get his groin right. The other two wide receivers missed a lot of times last week, and the only other wide receivers they have are Adam Humphries, who is nothing special whatsoever, and then Terry McLaurin, who is a uh, very special. Now he saw seventy percent of snaps last week. Again, I love the KC matchup. So if you if you want to pair off both the uh, both Taylor Heineke and start DeAndre Carter in your first bye week action, I I wouldn't uh, be disappointed in you and uh he's someone to watch and i think you can start him in a pinch this week because uh casey is terrible and carter might see more targets
1: yeah i absolutely love the pick and i think it's going to be a good one i think i think you're gonna hit it on this one
0: thank you sir thank you i i I want to i need to it's been a while (laughs) so phil it is time we delayed it enough Now, when this is airing, the first hockey game for the Buffalo Sabres will have played, but again, we promise we are not watching it. We're recording earlier, so the game has not started yet. Phil, are we ready for the BSC hockey draft for the Buffalo Sabres? With me having the first pick, you have the second two.
1: I don't know if I'm ready to uh, pick my players, but yes, we are ready for the draft.
0: So I've been going back and forth. I think you probably heard it on the uh, episode because you claimed that you did listen. I've been going back and forth on what I should do. And because we didn't draft Monday, it gave me, <laughs> it gave me more time to, to tilt. And I did tilt far enough where I did fall over. And uh, I figured out who I want with my first pick. My first pick for this team that needs to help me make a comeback in uh, the BSC fantasy game will be Rasmus Darlene is coming to my team.
1: I was kind of hoping you wouldn't do that, but uh, it's a very smart first overall pick.
0: Yeah, I almost went with somebody else, which I'm not going to mention because clearly he's still on the board. (laughs) But I figured you got to go with the top player on the team, the top defenseman who is far and away, the one that's going to provide you with the most stats. And yes, I might take a hit if some of these forwards hit, but... Uh, i'll have that defensive lockdown guy who can lead me to the promised land
1: yeah i like it i like it a lot um so i get the next two i don't love i don't love it i'm just gonna yep put that out now yeah i'll just uh i'll go with my original plan or at least how i have them ranked again don't love it but i'm gonna do it so i'll go casey Middlestat as the first offensive player off the board. I think you and I kind of agree that he is likely going to be the highest scoring offensive player, or at least should be in that conversation. Uh, He was my uh,
0: top my forward list, yes. Yeah,
1: I I assume he will be the number one center for the team this year. I mean, yes, that gives you some rough defensive matchups, but I mean, I think we saw what he did last year as the one of the top centers under Granado, So, I think he's got a chance to put some points on the board. And with that, I'm also going to take the other side of Darlene and go Yoki Haru as my first defensive player off the board. Got to get at least one of the top two defensive players, so I wanted to make sure I got that in there. So starting the team with Middlestat and Yoki.
0: Yoki was my number two. I was hoping he was going to slide there and I would seal off my defensive core, but you snagged him.
1: Yeah, not going to seal the day, sir.
0: (laughs) Well, because of that, I'm going to let the defense ride a round or two. And uh, I could be the mean guy and take your love of a player. But I'm going to stick to my board. I'm going to draft my number two forward that I have ranked, my number one forward on my team. I'm going to take Dylan Cousins coming home to my team.
1: Yeah, good pick, good pick. Um. Yep, I like it. I like it.
0: Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I, wanna,
1: I wanted to say more, but I'm just gonna you know, stick with I like it.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping he takes that next step. Yeah, I, I really need it. <laughs>
1: All right, I am also going to stick on the forward side and go with, I guess, a bit of a surprise here, and I'll go with not my main boy, but my my secondary main player. If I if if that logic tracks, I'm going to go with R2D2 as my number two offensive player off the board for my team. AKA Artu Roostelainen, if uh those don't know his nickname.
0: Yeah, you're going with a long game because he's likely a healthy scratch game one. That's a long season. It's a long season. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're going you're going long game. Yeah, forget game. the first game. <laughs> so, again, it's it's out there. Do I just take your guy or do I be nice and leave him there? He's Oh, Phil, I got to do it. I'm taking uh, Victor Olufsen. He was my next on the board. I'm, I'm sticking chalk. I'm staying to my board. I'm being true. And I'm not going off script like I did for the uh, the Bills draft, which came back to bite me uh, real bad. So uh, Olufsen was my number three ranked forward. He's my number two forward on my team right now. So I've got Dalene, I've got Dylan Cousins. And I've got Victor Olufsen so far.
1: Yeah, so far I have Middlestat, R2-D2, and Yoki Haru, and I'm going to go with the rebound season of Jeff Skinner. Bring him oh. on over. Hopefully he can uh, finally rebound under Granado, I think, again, kind of with the whole team, but him included. We saw a little bit of a spark toward the end of the season when Granado took over. Now they've had a full off season with him, so we will see what he can produce. That sounded painful for you, by the way.
0: Yeah, he was I thought he was going to slide. I thought you were going to go a different way. <laughs> that
1: is twice. I think you wanted my you pretty much wanted all of my picks to just slide to your team.
0: 100%. That is a 100% correct statement. So, I think I got to go the forward group because the defenseman that I am leaning towards, I think he will still be there even though I've kind of hoped and prayed a lot here, but I'm going to go with another quote-unquote centerman here because they moved him to center i'm going tage thompson i think he can take the next step forward under dan granado it was between him and another guy but I'm, I'm i'm going tage thompson here for my team
1: yeah he was uh he was on my list he was on my list
0: that's that's a plus he was the, the list is not very long so no, i don't know, he, uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah i get not well yeah we we're all done on forwards right
0: uh yes because you picked your three forwards you, so i should have went here. you should have
1: you should have that's not why i was bringing it up but yeah so my order was middle stack cousins skinner r2 Olfson, and thompson so he was the last available person that i wanted on offense obviously i was already done with offense as you just mentioned now the question is which defensive player i feel like pretty much the rest of the defense is a toss-up yes Clearly, you have one that you said you want to slide. I have no idea where I'd like to go with this, personally. Uh, Again, I think it's all kind of a toss-up. And I also think, especially with this year and everything, I think you and I are going to have a lot more waiver action for the Sabres. I think we will see some players get hot, some players get cold. I think you and I are just going to be dropping and adding players left and right. But I'm going to go with Bryson, I think, on this one oh no
0: (laughs) that was the guy
1: oh man hearing the pain is fantastic
0: every draft yeah
1: i think he is uh he's gonna be a little more on the offensive side of the defense compared to the rest of the options available so we'll see if he can also take that next step like much of the team this year and uh yeah i think he will round out my team
0: that one definitely hurt i should have notice the board more and realize that you've taken three forwards and taken my defense there and sealed it up but i'm dumb and i didn't and uh now i'm stuck here so there are some options here uh, I'm. i know i think i got the guy i'm going with i want to go with will butcher but i need the points to catch up and he's not going to be playing the the opening week because he's he's likely going to be a healthy scratch. I'm going to go with the guy who I think can get me the most amount of points currently, and that's the name of the game here. I'm going Colin Miller. He shoots the puck a lot. He's going to get lucky with a couple shots that make it through and a couple saves that get tipped in or tips shots or whatever. So he's going to get some uh, assists. He's a block shots guy. So I'm going Colin Miller here to round out my team.
1: Yeah, uh, I also had Butcher as my he was my other defenseman. But I do think Miller can easily just, like you said, be that guy that gets a couple points here and there, and he's a little bit more the veteran presence at this point. I do like the pick. I'm not not upset about it. not upset.
0: So Phil, do you want to go over your three forwards and two defense real quick?
1: I would love to, um, especially after hearing the cries of pain coming from every one of these that here. side of the microphone. Um, so I have Middlestat, I have Skinner, and R two Rostolainen. And for my defense, I have Yoki. How are you? And Bryson.
0: They all hurt. They <laughs> all hurt. But for uh, team underdogs, we're closing out this uh, this episode with my team. Dylan Cousins, Victor Olofsson. I've got Tage Thompson, and then for my defense core, Rasmus Dahlin. And can I just say Jacob Bryson here because I wanted him? But uh, no. no. Colin Miller. Yeah, Colin Miller rounds out my defense because you stole all the players that I wanted, and I hate you.
1: this is uh for me at least i mean we'll see how the season turns out i mean i feel like again it's pretty much all a toss-up on this team but at least at the draft this turned out pretty similar to the bills draft where i feel like you you screwed it up and uh, i took a lot of the team that you wanted and you made some some mental mistakes and you did it again so we will uh see if you can regroup by the time the bandits draft comes around
0: you weren't even in Pennsylvania. You just did it to make me tilt the whole week.
1: Yes. Yes, I did. Same with uh, um, leaving Milano yes. on my team and still crushing you this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, that one still hurt too. Oh. Okay, well, that's our BSC Buffalo Sabres hockey team. So we are going to add that to our Buffalo, or our BSC Bills team. So now we have the Bills and the Sabres going at the same time. Remember, it's one giant team One giant total of points, which our IT department is still struggling to (laughs) develop a software for us, so I'm still doing this with spreadsheets, but I do love spreadsheets. Phil can attest to that. But Phil, is there anything else you want to add to this episode before we pack up and get ready for our Monday night game with the Tennessee Titans?
1: Other than the fact that uh, I'm super excited that we now have two Buffalo teams in our Buffalo Fantasy game, I mean, we were calling it you know the buffalo fantasy game but so far it's just been the bills that we've been paying attention to so now that we have two teams in there it makes it a little more uh of a collective buffalo game so i'm excited to add some more stats and players from a different buffalo team to keep an eye on for our game
0: well put well put yeah uh the only advice i got and remember bye weeks are happening so don't be that guy that leaves the guy on a bye in your lineup so uh make sure you adjust your team because uh, everybody will make fun of you, and it's a chance to make you lose that week because people on bias get zero points. But thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Go. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you leave us that review. Until next time, bye bye